This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, May the 17th, and first today, we're going to hear from the children of murdered Kent PCSO Julia James. Now, they've been speaking after 22-year-old Callum Wheeler was found guilty yesterday of attacking the 53-year-old as she walked her dog in Woodland near Snowdown in April last year. You may have heard in yesterday's podcast that the jury at Canterbury Crown Court took just over an hour to return a unanimous verdict after hearing compelling evidence from the prosecution. Julia's smartwatch revealed the route she'd taken while Wheeler had been pictured on dash cam wandering around with the murder weapon. He'll be sentenced at a later date after psychiatric reports are done. Well, Patrick Davis and Bethan Coles, Julia's son and daughter, spoke outside court last night. It was the right verdict. I don't think he should ever be allowed out, but that's, that's in due course. But... Yeah, I think it's just the result we were hoping for. All the hard work from Kent Police, from Alison Morgan has all come to fruition. Um, I'd like to see I feel happy, but <laughs> feel numb if I'm honest, but it's absolutely the right outcome. And a, very, and a very swift verdict, which suggests that the jury had complete contempt for that defence, such as it was. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's done himself any favours um, at all. And having been, got, having been taken through all the evidence prior to coming to trial, um, I found it very difficult to imagine a scenario in which he would be found not guilty. I think the evidence was overwhelming. And I know that you're both keen, perhaps you're keen in particular because you're an officer, um, you're, you're, you're keen to thank the work that Kent Police did. Absolutely, been blown away by the work. Not only Gavin Moss and all the um, team in major crime, including Izzy and Manjit and Kate, who've looked after us, but every single officer who's been out there searching, like the thankless task of going through all the shrubbery, all the woods, you know, we just want to extend our thanks really to say, you know, that... We couldn't, we couldn't be here without them and we are so grateful for all the hard work that they've done. So tell me a bit about your mother, both of you. A very, a very, is it a very sunny character? Oh, she was amazing. She was really mad. If she'd walk in a room, she'd light, she'd light up the room with her smile. She's a sense of humour. She had such a mischievous sense of humour, didn't she? Yeah, she, she was, did. She was, she was the best. She had, the amount of times we've been in stitches together in the kitchen just over the smallest of things. and She's... Uh, there's a hole that's there and it's never going to be filled, unfortunately. And, and, and very popular in Elsham and Snowdown and that, that area um, in, all the, in all the years that she'd worked there as a PCSO. Yeah, well, actually, she worked over in Ashford and Canterbury as a PCSO, but she's grown up in Elsham in that community um, since she was a child, like her parents and grandparents are from the village. Um, yeah, and just everybody, it's a small community, so everybody tends to know one another. Um, yeah, and in this case, the community came together like I've never seen before, really. And the thing that just seems to kind of heap injustice on injustice is that she did a lot of work with uh, victims of violence, didn't she? Tell yeah, me about she did. that. Yeah, she helped victims of domestic violence. Um, she was somebody who really cared a lot about people. She's very invested in people. I like, often speak to her on the phone, and she'd be very invested in people's individual stories, wanting to help people. But she was she was a caring person. Um, and that's the job that she's chosen, was to help people. 
it just so happens that she's obviously fallen victim to um, a man. She's been in a vulnerable position, you know, a man that she ha had never met before. You know, you couldn't ever anticipate something like this would ever happen, really. And she'd seen him around the area. <laughs> um, did she raise concerns about him with either of you? She did, mate, when I was when I was living in Snowdown with her. What did she say? Um, well, she, I remember her saying that she's seen this really weird bloke walking around and stuff. And um, yeah, that was about it, really. So she's saying that she's seen a weird, weird man and she wasn't happy with how he has been. Or... Might be too early to know this, but are there any, are there any plans for any sort of long-term tribute or legacy? Something we've thought we've about, thought isn't about it? it? We've been, our focus has been so much on the trial yeah. that we haven't really had time to speak about anything like that. But I'm sure now, once the sentencing's out of the way, I think we'll there'll be some sort of legacy tribute type thing. My uncle and we were having the discussion in the room not long ago, actually, we want to have something to remember mum by in a positive way um, because so much has been around about how she's lost her life as opposed to her. We want to have positive outcome. Um, yeah, do something working positive, something that will be positive in the long run with her associated with it. Can I ask you, I mean, it, 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 what, what would you say directly to Wheeler? I have nothing to say to Wheeler. I think that he um, is a very dangerous man. I think that he, my mum was in the wrong place at the wrong time and that today he's been held accountable for what he has done to my mum. But that will never be good enough. But what I do think is important, like I said earlier, is that he's made it clear that he had intentions to go forward, attack other women, rape other women, and ultimately kill other women. I think my mum has saved lives by, by losing her life. And I think that Kent Police, Alison Morgan, have saved a lot of people. He was going to go on to kill people, in my opinion. We do thank Patrick and Bethan ever so much for chatting to us. Julia's husband, Paul James, also spoke to reporters shortly after the guilty verdict was handed down. This is what he had to say. I'm a bit lost for words and I can't say thank you enough, enough to the team. Please, I've helped us. And everybody else involved in this, there's thousands of people. The communities that Gavins have said, I can't say enough how much I miss my, my wife, Julia. I'm so proud of everybody and I think they've done. Done now. Thank you. You couldn't ask for better than you could, Julia. She just helped everybody. Everybody. And she just couldn't do enough. Better sense of humour. How funny is yours? Julie was probably the most funniest person I ever met. I can't explain how much I love her. You have to feel that. You can't tell that in words. This guy took it away from us. But she'll never leave me. She'll never go for me of us. She's just amazing. I'm so proud of her. I just the work she did was just amazing to help so many other people, women particularly, that are in danger from men. Bad men, I'll call them. And I cannot be as proud as I am. And we've got what we've, we deserve today. Do you think of Carol I don't have anything from... I feel nothing. Her job is in the world to her. 
What's Julie? the community lost in such a great PCSO such as Julia? Sorry, I missed that. Sorry. We've lost um, a wonderful PCSO in Julia because her job meant the world. You described it just there. It's a huge loss. What have the community lost by losing Julia as well? Oh, they've lost not just a friend. The communities are like family where we live. The little hamlets we live at, Alsham, is amazing. Snowdown, what they've done. All the... Everybody's involved. And, and again, the farmers of the community... She, everybody knew Julia, and they knew how she was, inside and out. Because she was just so, so much of a person. She was massive. Yet she stood so small, but she was massive. She stood ten foot tall every time she did something or talked something and helped somebody. And people saw that. And what she emanated in, in her love and her affection to everybody. Um, it just oozed. It just oozed into our family. What she put to all of our family... And that's it. Bugger. Well, let me miss that so mad. We miss that so bad. Um, I'm a bit lost for words now. <laughs> it's unusual. Would you say anything today to Kent Police, who Julie worked with for? Kent Police. I, 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 I have so much in here. So much love for Kent Police, as Julia did. Yeah. It's an institute that we've got to be so proud of. From, from the big guy to the little guy. It's a team. It's a family. We need to embrace that and take them for what they really are. They're people, they're us. And they hurt like we do when we get to see that. I, I, I cannot thank these people enough, I just cannot. And all of their assistants and their assistants and the people in this room, they knew the justice and we were getting that justice today. And I... I <clears throat> I just hurt so much. As I mentioned earlier, sentencing of Wheeler was adjourned yesterday. We'll let you know on the podcast as soon as a date has been agreed. Kent Online News. Our most read story by far today is a disruption earlier following a closure of the M2. It was shut at Junction 3 for Bluebell Hill in Medway at around half three this morning and didn't completely reopen until after midday. Some drivers were caught in delays of over an hour while traffic trying to divert through the towns was also held up. Sadly, police have told the podcast they were called to reports of concerns for the welfare of a man and when they got to the scene, a body was found. They've added that the death is not being treated as suspicious and the man's family have been informed. It's emerged a teenager who died after being knocked off his bike by a car near Faversham suffered a head injury. An inquest has heard 19-year-old Cavan Scott from Sittingbourne was identified by police at the scene when it happened along Lower Road in Tenham earlier this month. Five people arrested in connection with the crash are currently out on bail. The inquest has been suspended because of an ongoing criminal investigation. A court's heard how a prison guard has now left his job at a Sheppey jail after an inmate threw hot water over him before beating him with a kettle. Lewis Brown did it in July 2020 because he wasn't happy with conditions at Swaleside. The 41-year-old is serving time for robbery and is due to be sentenced in July. One of Kent's leading headteachers is urging students not to panic if GCSEs and A-level exams don't go to plan. Teenagers are doing in-person tests for the first time this summer since before the pandemic. But there are concerns the results won't reflect their real abilities because they've missed out on so much school and things like mocks. Well, I've been speaking to Mike Walters, who's head of St Anselm School in Canterbury and also chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers. There was never going to be a perfect time to resume uh, examining children in the way that we do. Um, I think this is probably as good a time as any. 
Um, we certainly wouldn't want to be continuing with uh, teacher assessed grades ad infinitum. I think that that was you know, very difficult, very challenging for colleagues for all sorts of reasons. I think you could fashion an education system where you have better ongoing assessment rather than this big emphasis on terminal exams, but that's kind of a, a separate debate in some respect. Um, as to the here and now, I think my, my, my concerns for this cohort are twofold, really. I mean, I think we can support them, and I think generally the exam season will, will, will run uh, perfectly well. Um, but first of all, they just haven't had the experience that their peers in the past would have done of just simply having the process of sitting mock exams and uh, of having that, that, that time in the exam hall to get used to that. So that, that's one factor. More importantly, I think children uh, this year probably have less of a sense of agency and control over what happens to them than they ordinarily would. So if you think about a typical GCSE pupil, by the end of year 11, if they've attended school well, you know, gone to their lessons, done their homework, revised well, there is a sense that they are entirely in control of what happens to them. It's down to them how well they perform. Um, I think for a number of the children in this year group, that doesn't apply because differential disruption, schools making pragmatic decisions about what they do and don't deliver. And even with the exam boards having provided some guidance about what they're going to be examined on, I think it's fair to say there will be cases where children uh, will have been disadvantaged by the pandemic through no fault of their own. Um, I think the reality is it's very difficult to get away from that happening. And there is some, um, there ha that has, that there has to be a time when we return to these exams but there is some inherent unfairness baked into the system this year that there wouldn't normally be, I think. Would that be equally the same for A-level students? I mean, some will be um, waiting on their results to determine university places, won't they? Yeah, I, I think I probably feel even greater sympathy for those in year 13. The only caveat is obviously they're two years older, a little bit more mature, have probably had some experience in year 12 of having sat exams. But for that cohort in year 13 now, obviously they, they didn't get... A GCSE experience uh, and then trying to go into A-levels where in some cases you're sitting three-hour papers uh, and expected to, to work under quite considerable pressure having never really had the experience of being through public exams before I think that is that is asking a lot I guess they're all in the same boat so in that sense it's uh, it, 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 it's a, um, an even playing field but yes I think those those 18 year olds do have a, a very challenging few weeks ahead and I do really feel for them. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything about this particular exam period that you wanted to mention at all? Any any message perhaps for, for students that you've got at the moment? Uh, I think, um, first of all, we all recognise it's very challenging. The schools are working really hard to make sure that the children um, have the very best opportunity to be successful. That's been the case over recent weeks and months and will be over the next few weeks. Uh, I think the other message, which I always try and communicate to pupils in my own schools, you don't ever want anyone to be blasé about it. You want them to take them seriously. But I think sometimes young people build this up into being an absolute be all and end all. This is life changing. And if you make a mess of it, there is no coming back. Um, and that's simply not the case. You know, obviously life is more straightforward if you achieve the grades that you want to at 16 or at 18. Uh, but I can think of dozens, hundreds of boys and girls I've known over the year where it hasn't gone that well and they've recovered that situation later on. So um, in all things in life, we need to keep a sense of perspective uh, and try to remember that if it doesn't go well, there are people out there in schools 
my colleagues who will make sure that they have the support they need to, to recover the position if they need to. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. The number of people out of work in Kent has dropped. Latest figures show 42,060 were claiming jobless benefits in April. That's down by nearly 1,900 on the previous month. And you can see what the stats are like for precisely where you live in Kent by heading to the business pages of Kent Online. You could now be fined £150 for littering or failing to pick up after your pets in and around Canterbury. The council's brought in new wardens to enforce the rules in the city as well as in neighbouring Herne Bay and Whitstable. Bosses say they want to make littering a thing of the past and it comes after just 14 penalties were issued across the district in 2020. You can let us know what you think of the new system and the fines by commenting on the story itself or via our socials. Sad news today that a popular cafe in Medway is being forced to close because of the rising cost of living. After seven years of trading in Walderslade Road, Bliss Tea Rooms will shut for the final time on Friday. The owner says an almost £1,000 increase in her bills in just three months means she can no longer afford rent and operating costs. A Kent school has become the first in the country to buy a specially adapted vehicle so children with severe needs and disabilities can be taken on trips. Ifield School in Gravesend caters for four to 19-year-olds and have previously found it difficult to take pupils out due to a lack of suitable changing facilities. In some cases in the past, they've had to change children in cramped, dirty toilets. We've been chatting to head teacher Maddie Jones. We found that when going off-site, and we um, again visit lots of local parks, we go to lots of different sporting community events, that often there are times where the barrier for our pupils that have physical needs are met more often than not around changing facilities. The times going off-site can create pupils having limited access to, to some of those amazing opportunities created. So by buying the accessibility as, as a school that was to enable pupils to access all of the facilities and in line with their, their peers. The Accessaloo that they've bought has a hoist, hot and cold running water, a toilet and electric changing bed. Kent Online reports. This is definitely one to check out on Kent Online today. The mansion in Kent where the man who owned the original Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car used to live is up for sale. Woodville Hall has seven bedrooms and is in Temple Yule near Dover. It used to belong to the Hollis family who had the vehicle which inspired Ian Fleming to write the famous children's novel. Well, it's now on the market for two and a quarter million pounds. Staying with a bit of showbizy news and as filming of Empire of Light continues in Margate, we've been to see where else in the town has been made famous on the big and small screen. Sam Mendes has spent several weeks there shooting his new blockbuster starring Olivia Colman and Colin Firth. At Kent Online today, you can see sites used during Killing Eve, Interior Design Masters and of course, only Fools and Horses on their Jolly Boys outing. The famous Goodyear blimp has been spotted in Kent again today following its appearance at Brands Hatch over the weekend. You might have seen it flying over Gravesend and Medway this morning. It's thought it's heading back to Calais where it normally lives. If you missed it, we have got video footage on the website and it looks set to be the hottest day of the year so far. Temperatures had reached 22 degrees across parts of the southeast by lunchtime and the Met Office say Kent could be warmer than LA and some Greek islands. 
Kent Online Sport. A former Kent footballer has praised Blackpool's Jake Daniels for coming out as gay. The 17-year-old striker is the only current men's player in professional British football to be open about his sexuality. He's hoping it'll break down barriers for others. Well, former Sheppey United player Jamal Howlett-Mundell came out as bisexual last year and he's been speaking to our reporter, Leisha. No, I had this like secondhand uh, sense of pride for him, you know, um, figuratively, <laughs> figuratively and literally. So for him to be 17 and only recently turning 17 and making a decision that is, of course, going to shape the outcome of his future is is honestly amazing. You know, it's incredible that he's recently made his, his pro debut in the championship, recently signed his first professional contract, um, all while keeping private his sexuality to have had the year that he's had and then now he's able to finish this season and let his hair down knowing that he's going into next season a literal trailblazer I think is amazing for him I think it really is uh, it'll be interesting to see the reaction that um, Jake would have got internally from his teammates and from the management and, and the staff there because I mean it's we're in the same circumstances but he is in the professional game, you know, like thankfully he's he's able to be in day in, day out with his teammates and of course everyone attached to the club. Um, so the support is going to be there for him, which I think is amazing because him going from being an under-18s player and then making his championship debut and then uh, he scored 30 goals this season and he's had, it seems like he's had such a good season. And I can't speak on his behalf, but I do truly believe that he may not have had as good of a season as he's had if he didn't start being comfortable within himself, you know? And I think that's one of the most important points that I took from that, you know? I mean, he said that after he spoke to his mum and his sister, the very next day he went on to score four goals. And when I read that, oh, I had the biggest smile on my face. I was like, yeah, too right, you know? Um, so I'm just so pleased for him. And I, I do genuinely think that once this summer's over and um, the, the heat kind of comes off him a little bit, I hope he's able to get himself a holiday and, and really relax and let his hair down and be around his friends and his family um, and then go back into a new season without this weight on his shoulders. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, massive weight lifted from from his shoulders, just like it was from yours. I was just wondering sort of what your experience has been like playing football after coming out. I know you've been quite open about the fact you've, you have received some abuse for it, you know, from, from fans. Well, you yeah. can't call them fans because they're not fans, are they? But from people um, who came to watch the game and online and things like that. Just tell me a little bit about that and why that may make people kind of nervous to, to make the step because it does put you in that vulnerable vulnerable position, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. So, um, uh, unfortunately, I had two instances during the season that just finished where uh, it was actually players, not fans, that, that had said abusive words towards me, you know. Um, but I think that was something that I certainly had to consider for quite a while, you know. I, I had to sort of run through so many different scenarios and how I could potentially react to them. Um, and I think that both times, I'd, I'd like to say I'm proud of the way that I've handled them. Um, the second time, especially, I was I was on the pitch and it was during the cup final. Was, emotions were high enough as they were. And then receiving that abuse, I actually cried for like two or three minutes, you know. Um, so for, for me to have gone through that and experienced that and then still be in a really good like mental space, I think was really, really important because uh, it could potentially be something that Jake faces, unfortunately. And that's no fault of his own. You know, that's completely not his fault whatsoever. But we do have some really ignorant and uh, uneducated people in the world that may not necessarily understand that in order for him to go and do his job, which football is, it's a job, you know, um, he needs to be as comfortable as he can be. Uh, So it's not fair that people could potentially say um, 
negative things towards him. But again, it is something that he may face. So him being in a professional game and of course him being the first out gay player in 30 years, there's going to be, um, there may potentially be a lot of people that are not really sure how to process the news, you know, whether they are people that are close to him or people that uh, have come across his story online or through social media. But I do think that he'll get a lot more support than he may expect. And that could be overwhelming, you know. But again, him being in a professional game, I do believe that he's going to have uh, the external agencies. Of course, like Blackpool, I'm sure will have like um, uh, mental coaches or along those lines, um, psychologists that are going to be able to, to really help him. And again, he's at the start of his career, you know. So he has got potentially, he's what, 17? He's got potentially 15 years plus to be a pro. You know, and in that time, the, the amount of people already overnight that he would have inspired and, and that are going to have that secondhand sense of pride from him, it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. But most importantly, I just hope that he's able to um, take the next stride. Of course, he's got a summer break now and then go into next season really feeling ready to be himself. And to be honest, whatever that looks like him being himself. He should be allowed to do so. Staying with football, and Gillingham have confirmed some pre-season fixtures. Portsmouth will head to Priestfield on Saturday, July the 16th, two weeks before they start life in League Two. They'll also visit Folkestone on July the 2nd and Dover Athletic the following Saturday. Neil Harris's side will also have a match on July 23rd, but the opponents are yet to be confirmed. The squad will return to pre-season training towards the end of June, just a day before the league fixtures are released. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram plus you can now get access to the ad free kent online premium site to do it you need to subscribe just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.